Hi, everybody. It's the very beginning of 2019, and we have a very special guest today, Sheila Gillette and the Theo Group. And the reason I wanted to invite them on is because with everything seemingly um, falling apart at the seams on many levels outside in terms of institutions and sometimes even in our own personal lives, I really wanted to get a higher reflection from the Theo Group about what our future holds for humanity. And we're going to talk about uh, a great many different topics that affect and touch all of our lives. And the th I particularly enjoy the Theo Group because they're very pragmatic um, and I'm pragmatic too, so I resonate with that. So without further ado, let's invite Sheila Gillette on, and we're going to chat just a sec. Hi, Sheila. Good to see you again. Hi, Regina. It's nice to see you again. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We were joking around a little bit, and I was just kind of chatting just before we, you know, we started recording here that last time we saw each other was a wonderful little Japanese restaurant in San Rafael, California after one of your events. So I have to try to dig that up. That was an amazing meal. Oh, it was. It was in a what a fun evening. We really enjoyed it. Looking forward to the next time. Yeah, me too. Well, without without um, taking any more time on this personal stuff, let's get into it. Um, one find one thing I find really interesting is that entities um, such as the Theo Group, oftentimes people will say, well, they sounded one way when I heard them on one program or at one live event and another with a different group of people. And what I'm, what I'm sussing out from this is that the entities are really tapping into the nature of the audience to deliver the information in a way that that audience can really feel and accept and hear. And I would like you to just do, give us your take on how the Theo Group works with all of us. Well, like you said yourself, Theo's very pragmatic, and they want us to live the best lives we can live, and and in a soul-centered way. So we're responding to life, not reacting to it, that we can be the creators that we are. And they don't hold much to conspiratorial experiences. They hold to the truth of us as human beings. So, well, actually spiritual beings having a human experience as they teach us that our soul is much larger than we can possibly imagine. And that each and every one of us, as you know, with the people you talk with, Regina, and I talk with, Every time I talk to somebody, I, it comes up, when I was little, I knew I was supposed to do something great. Well, you know, that's really true. However, it is expressed in our lives because nobody can do what we can do. We are here as special divine master beings that are cre creating a life well-lived. And that's the message that Theo has. And so as you know, when you speak to Theo and you interview them beautifully, um, they do speak to you and, and the way you receive information and also your audience and how they can be best served. Because... Theo told me years ago that these kinds of things would be happening in my life, that I would be interviewed, I'd be talking to large groups of people. And and at the moment, you know, I was just starting out doing this work. I, I, I didn't have the vision for it, but I trusted in what they said to me. And over the years, as you know, it's my 50th anniversary this year, over the 50 years I've been doing this work 
it's proven out time and time again. Theo's statement, don't worry about who's coming. We're inspiring them to come. So in, in the question that you asked, yes, Theo knows us. They're aware of what we need to hear to expand and be all that we can be. That's a really good um, explanation, which I appreciate. And I know the audience does too. And I think we always have to get down to the fact that we share information very differently. And I say that because we're going to be talking about large future trends today. And a lot of it's going to look very different than what we know right now. Some people hear it. Um, it's like a person going to the doctor, getting some kind of news, say, um, <clears throat> someone says, give it to me straight. I can handle it. Someone else says, tell me about the parts about what I need to do to make it better. <laughs> and we have the whole spectrum listening to the show today. So uh, Theo, as you said, pragmatic, hands us, to it, hands us uh, the information straight. And we're going to talk about some of the most important things that are going to affect us in the future. And I want to start by saying this. I spoke with Theo in a private conversation, and it was either 2010, 11. It was, I mean, 11 or 12. It's been quite a few years ago now. And I said, What's, what do we have going in the future? Because we had some crazies going on uh, globally, politically, and such. And, and they explained something about what our future government's going to look like. And they said, um, This is more of a global governance. And of course, I'm I'm like, well, you know, the cabal, which is, you know, the conspiratorial um, framework for it. Um, and they said, but not because they're reading my aura and saying, but not what you're thinking. So this might bring fear to some of your viewers. But the reality is it won't look like what you're thinking that is right now. And in fact, it's going to be something that's an expression of the people. So this is just a beginning point or when we go to Theo in a minute, where we're going to be starting that conversation of what these things mean and to know to just try to drop any kind of judgment, expectation, and certainly any fear around future trends for us. So that's what I'm thinking here, Sheila, is picking up on the thread of that because they were right. Things did start changing. We're going to talk about it uh, with Theo. Start changing the way they said in the time frame they said it would, just as they have been correct so many times before. Well, you know, these things have been spoken about for 40 years by them. And it and it was first published in my first book, The Fifth Dimension Channels to, to New Reality. And that book right now is relevant to what is happening in the world. Yes. And they spoke of these changes. And that we are a global species, a global community, and that we need to be thinking broad, more broadly. And this was even before the internet. You know, this is before all the luxuries we have now of connection and interaction. So it's an exciting time to be alive, I believe. I believe so, too. So even though, you know, as we witness some of the... Hmm, changes because it's not elegant how it happens but um i i just am so optimistic because i've had enough of this experience and and this wisdom given to me and through me to really trust and be excited about this evolution this evolution of consciousness and connection and um global connection of all of us, of the human species. I agree with you on that. I love the understated way that you just put it. Um, 
it's not exactly elegant <laughs> the way it's rolling out. That's perfect. Well, Sheila, are you comfortable with going to the Theo Group now so we can launch into my massive list of questions? Sure, of course. Okay, good. I'll give you a little moment. Okay, here we go. It is the beginning, is it not? Yes, Theo, thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be asking questions that have to do with humanity's future and trends in quite a few different areas. And I had just mentioned a moment ago with Sheila that I had spoken to you a number of years ago about what was going to happen with the method of governance that was occurring because it seemed so chaotic and, and artificial at the time. And you had stated that by the time 2016 to 2020 rolled around, we were going to start seeing a shift in the governance style, so to speak, on this planet. Uh, we were speaking of the United States, but not just of the United States in general. Today, we're seeing a great amount of chaos. The 2018 elections brought big changes in the United States, bringing a lot more women and people that have been marginalized in the past, minorities and such, into the mix that have never had access to Capitol Hill before. And uh, you say... Um, that there is more to come. And can you pick it up from 2018 and what we can expect to see, along with the understanding it's not the way we see this kind of global message. Uh, many people are seeing it, not to fear it. It is not to be fearful. It is in the best interest of all human beings what is occurring on this planet now, for the old structures do not work. The fifth dimensionary energy fully in place now, becoming fully in place in 2012, bringing these changes to fruition energetically. The old forms, just as in any evolution of consciousness or life, if you would, the old ways of being that do not work must dissolve, go away, and new to be built in form, new forms and structures to come. And we have spoken about the political structures throughout the world, not only in the United States, changing dramatically. Coming into a one-world global governance, much like your United Nations, but much more powerful and collaborative than has been, and a global economic structure, for it's a global economy, as is borne witness to what occurred many years past, and now recognizing that in one country, economic difficulty does portend to affect the entire world. So as these new structures come to fruition, it is in the highest good of the human experience and in support of all the people. And how these changes come is not from the old way of interaction, but from the new and from the voices of the people. 
Theo, uh, yes, this is what you had said before. Um, when people hear, uh, some people in this audience hear one world governance, of course, they think of the same old players, you know, playing the same old games and uh, operating from the wings in secret. But what you're saying is that this will be, this will be a type of one world governance, governance in which the people of the world are driving whatever agendas and rulemaking and such is going on. But you explained it to me in a little more detail uh, once upon a time, talking about the fact that the regions still have their say. Can you explain how this works and what's it, what it looks like to us? As we spoke of the collaboration, the people of the world now can connect one into the other. As you know, with your technology, you can know of events happening in the world at the time that they are happening. Yes? Mm -hmm. It gives the people of the world communication with each other that you've not had before that allows these new structures, this awareness to be forthright in everybody's experience if they so choose to pay attention. It's important and incumbent upon the individual to be connected, aware, educated, not apathetic, but to have an opinion and to share that and to come into a time of interaction and so the regions, yes, because the world is very diverse, have interests and desires and necessities in those regions that another in another region may not have, yes? Mm -hmm. However, there can be structures and things in place for every region of the world to have what it needs. Mm -hmm. And the globe is always changing, isn't it? And particularly now. And we've spoken of there are areas of the world that have been wet will become dry and areas that have been dry that will become wet. But don't be afraid of that. That is natural to this planet. And being aware of your responsibility, the ability to respond to the planet in its highest good that serves all, not just a few. Thank you. One of the areas... Now, this came from intuitive information from another source that's overlaying with what you say. They were talking about the way things are done in terms of governance as well, saying that, and I'm just going to use the United States as an example because we can't go through all the countries. And so they were saying that it would be more, the country would be more regionally broken up into geographical areas rather than state by state and the legislature working in the way it is right now. Is that similar to what you see is more broken into maybe a few large regions and the same kind of template happening across the world? It is very similar now out of the needs of the people, isn't it? Only the politicians of the world in the old hmm, structures that have been have been able to manipulate 
those regions yes. and those countries. However, if you're noticing all that that had been hidden and underground, you might say, it's surfacing, bubbling up to the surface to be seen and heard and known. And that is the gift of this upheaval. That there is the awareness of those in power manipulating the people. That is why you've seen an uprising of individuals having their voice count, saying no more. In every country of the world, if you've seen these hmm, protests, you say, protest, protesting the old way and having a voice. And that will continue. And as you stated, in the election of 2018 in the country of what you live, the people spoke, did they not? With the gift they have of the vote. And that is why it is responsible for the individuals who have the ability and responsibility to use the power of that to have their voice heard. You also stated to me privately that 2020 should be even more um, energetic or surprising. Yes. Much will change in 2020. Let's look at it from a generational point of view, uh, speaking to what you've just said. You have a generation of people under the age of 40 in particular and down into the millennials in their t t uh, even in their late teens and early 20s that are already in a global community. Whatever their interest is, whether it's you know doing uh, comics or whether it's playing chess or whether it's making something, they're picking up from each other around the world via YouTube and websites and such. And for them, there are no divisions in terms of their passions and what they're bringing forward already. And it seems that that has already become not only global, it, one would even say a virtual world only in that it's happening online, but you're saying in a very real sense, this is the development of how the global economy and governance is going to look in the future as a reflection of our desires and will as a species. Yes, and it will continue to evolve. Mm -hmm. It's organic, if you would. This is the shift of consciousness of which we speak about. Then there have been concerns of this virtual interaction, and it, it has many positives, but it is also necessary for people to talk to each other. So what you'll see, the pendulum will swing more into the middle where there is conversation, communication, not just through technology, but gatherings, sharing insights, coming together, having dialogue, critical thinking. For there has not been much critical thinking. I was just going to say that. That would be refreshing to have some critical thinking again. The other yes. thing to me is that as these um, institutions dissolve, so to speak, because they're not functioning well for us anymore, 
it seems on one hand, the young people are left with not only all over the world, a lot of debt, crumbling institutions where you could have slotted into a job and just hung out there for 20, 30, 40 years. Now people are having to use their own creativity and their own desire to create their own means of making a living. This seems to me to be a major liberation. It is a liberation and understand this. Many have educations. They have upper educations and how many truly use their education in what they're doing in their lives. What it's given them is the ability to be researchers, to be investigators, to know how to learn and find out information that they may want in their lives, which is excellent. And so what you will see is in that creative response, as we say, you're all creators. And in a desire to live a life well lived, they are not settling in the, in the old paradigms of the past of moving into a corporate environment and staying for 40 years or 50 years, whatever it might be. However, and lulling themselves to sleep, yes, mm. in thinking that someone will take care of them. Exactly. Self-responsibility seems to be essential to the changes that are going on. I, uh, I applaud these times, even though it can look desperate to someone where you have a simple job and 500 applicants for it, and that's the way their minds have been trained. Pretty soon you learn that's not an option, and you have to become creative and self-responsible. And I, I see the beauty in that. And let's talk about this notion of globalism versus regionalism when it comes to um, commerce, for example, and production, manufacturing. Right now, in America, you have what's called the uh, 2,000 mile Caesar salad, where it's grown in Salinas, California, and then shipped across to Ohio to be served in a restaurant through the big food distribution companies. It seems that that, and goods made in China, you go into our large box store, big box stores, they're called here, and half the goods, if not more, are all made in China and shipped over in massive containers so we can buy them cheaply. Something seems organically really wrong with that picture. Can you explain more what manufacturing, transportation, commerce is going to look like in the future? It seems as such, and one has been taught that this is bad, but in interacting with other areas of the world, for goods and services, supports individuals for things are made in China and shipped to the United States, but things in the United States are made and shipped to China. There, there, it is not a one highway direction, you see, in that hmm, way of interacting, which will become more so because of the different climates, the different energies that are there. So in Ohio, of which you spoke, in the summer, there are things that are grown there that are not grown in California, that are 
exchanged. Yes? Mm -hmm. In the world. Northerly, southerly, east and west. So it is to understand that in this global commerce, because it is a global economy, there can be arrangements made where all are served, for there is enough for everybody on this planet. It has been the political structures that have limited the beings. I see what you're saying. What about the notion, for example, uh, that exists right now, that because you have labor in some countries that's very, very cheap, and it's because the cost of living is much, much lower. And they say, in the, we're going to use the United States or European nations as an example. These nations, it's a much, um, it's much more expensive endeavor just to pay your bills and get through any given month. That the jobs have left the country simply because um, the companies want to make a higher profit. And so they're sending them to regions of the world in which the wages are very low to maximize their profits. Yes, it's it seems to be serving part of what you're saying, but how does it rebalance back out so that uh, local economies and local jobs can now be fulfilled within our own regions, even those regions of the world that have a higher cost of living? Understand this. It is a choice to take a job or not, isn't it? And there are certain jobs in those areas, more developed and expensive, that the populace just will not do. This is true. Yes. Mm. And then they, they want someone to do them, but they won't. Yes. So it is a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? <laughs> but no, in those countries where they are developing and growing economically, it will balance out. When there is an income in the world for all to live comfortably, and that's what we're talking about eventually, mm -hmm. but there is this time of fluctuation. Yes, okay, that's makes it's totally pragmatic and makes sense. I totally get what you're saying. Um, and we have this dilemma going on right now, especially in California specifically. Here we have people who are um, complaining uh, and are willing to throw in and build a wall between our country and Mexico, not stopping to think that the people from Mexico have come over and kept our entire food industry running. Without them, there would be no food industry. There'd be no uh, agriculture industry and there would be no restaurant industry at this point in time. So this is kind of pointing exactly to what you're saying right now. That That's true. And taking our jobs away, but these aren't jobs that most of the citizens of California are willing to take. That's true. And if you speak to the people of Texas, they are against the wall. For what will occur is just what you're speaking about, and they're dependent upon those workers in many interest industries there. But also, importantly, where the wall will be built, the government will take land from the people of Texas, and they do not want this. It would not serve them and would be fought. 
So there's all of this that is not heard about in in what is media, but it exists that there are people that have not had their voice heard yet that do not want to have a structure built. It doesn't Mm -hmm. serve the whole. And all of these misrepresentations will be seen. As we stated, that which has been under the surface is surfaced. And you all have your own higher power. You all know the truth. You may hear things, but go inside. Go inside. And is that true? For you have a truth barometer in you. So evaluate what is heard by your inner knowing. Your higher power knows. And also by the implementation, again, of our critical thinking, as you were speaking about a moment ago, which we've been happy to give away in order to just take up on someone else's position in the media. So I couldn't agree with you more on that. When we're talking about the subject of uh, a little bit ago agriculture, when I brought up the 2,000-mile Caesar salad, what do you see happening in terms of humanity's future trends in terms of the quality and kinds of foods that we're going to be consuming as our bodies are also evolving. That is true. Once again, it is an individual responsibility. Listen to what your body tells you that it needs. Many make intellectual choices about diet and nutrition that doesn't serve their bodies. So it's important that you collaborate with your medical professionals, that you listen to your body, you speak out, you ask for your voice to be heard. But is also, each and every one is responsible for one's own health. Not abdicating that responsibility to another. You can invite others to support you, to educate you, but you must listen to what your body speaks to you. For each of you, your body is unique. The soul in that body is unique as well. And as these consciousness shifts occur within you, your DNA changes as well. Your mind changes, new neural pathways are laid as you shift your thoughts to creativity, not staying stuck in the old patterns of being that limit you. Yes, your mind changes, your brain changes, your body changes. Pay attention. You're very right, because we tend to jump on uh, either, you know, philosophically or otherwise with a particular way of eating because our mind resonates with it. And sometimes it works perfectly for the body and for other people, the body really suffers. So being pedantic in any way seems like it's not working when it comes to the physical body and, and how to fuel it. And that's saying nothing of our everyday common addictions like 
massive amounts of sugar and that kind of thing. Any other comments on that? As you know, industries have created some of these hmm, desires for extremes. Yes? Yes. So as you pay attention to what the body speaks to you, what satiates you when you eat, what does your body will tell you when you're giving it something that nourishes it? You'll find energy. You'll find a sense of well-being mentally. You will have an ability for the mind to be clear. So you can have evidence momentarily once you eat something, your body will react to it, won't it? So if it gives you energy, clears your mind, gives you clarity on many levels, you can almost hear yourselves, thank you. I couldn't agree more. I find mental clarity number one before anything physical, even after eating, uh, either I'm ready to fall asleep or I'm alert. And so you're right. That is all we really need by way of a truthometer, so to speak, for what kind of diet is going to work best for us. And a moment ago, you talked about um, our brains, our minds are changing, our brains, our neural networks are changing. And this can, this is a conversation we could talk about for hours in part we're changing it organically through our thoughts. And in another way, we're changing it through technology, such as for younger people in particular, video games. So the speed at which the mind is working is much, much faster. I think one concern some people have is once you have trained the brain to become accustomed to and desirous of operating at a very rapid speed, how do we then blend that or bridge that over with being able to experience nature in more quiet pursuits, the going back and forth between the two, especially for children, because this has become an issue? What is necessary is monitoring time, the amount of time that one is stimulating the mind in such a way. And then, as you often hear us speak about meditation regularly, habitually, the ability to train the self to quiet, quiet the mind, quiet the body. Rest, it is a rest for the nervous system, particularly when there is such great influence and stimulation. So it is, many think of meditation as a religion. It is not. Many religions have used it, however, knowing the benefits that it gives one in connecting to one's soul and spirit. However, it is optimum health that one seeks. Meditation is a practice that can assist that. Can you speak for a moment, um in general terms, um, if you have little children, what do you see as one of the more effective ways to engage small children in the art of meditation or the practice of meditation or quieting the mind? So it's just a matter of doing it with them. 
but not for elongated periods of time, like an adult could do 15, 20 minutes or even longer. A child may be able to do two minutes at its greatest length. So it's just using the breath, teaching a child to breathe deeply, exhaling completely, feeling the relaxation of the breath. Use that as a meditation, being mindful of the breath and quieting. If there's an overstimulus, you can say, let's breathe and breathe with them. And they'll notice how any agitation or resistance is released in those moments. So it's a matter of doing it with them. Yes, but not expecting them to sit for five minutes. That will never happen in a young child. For five minutes could seem like a year to them. So you do it in small increments and let them feel the difference in their body because they're very bright and will learn that feels good. This is what I want. And we'll begin to use those techniques to calm the self, to nurture, just as they learn language or any other behavior by watching you. Thank you for that. And on the other end of the spectrum, we have a lot of people who, um, even in young years, middle years, and of course, older years as well, are feeling like um, their minds, their memories are simply just dissolving, (laughs) even short-term memory, short-term and long-term memory. People of all ages now, the mind seems to be impacted uh, pretty negatively right now. And we can guess at some of the symptoms are coming from the pace of life, from media and so forth. But at the same time, some wonderful technologies are being developed. And I'm going to go to New York next week and experiment with one of them that helps activate uh, the production of dopamine, this particular technology, and the frontal lobe so that there's a more of a coherence in everyday thinking, a little faster processing speed. So let's talk about people who are aging and finding this really perplexing that their memory is going at too young an age or so it, spe- it seems. Stress. Paying attention to what your body is doing if there's too much stress. Do you meditate? Do you calm the body? Do you take time of nurturing? Do you set a schedule in your schedule, your calendar for yourself for that nurturance? Again, meditation. Nutrition is extremely important. Paying attention and having a a checking up yearly with your medical professional, your blood tests, making sure the body is functioning at its optimum, paying attention to what you put in your body. Do you see? Mm-hmm. For the foodstuffs you eat affects the brain. It's important that you pay attention to minerals, to salt, many have not taken salt, and some cannot because of their pressure of their blood, but many have let it go by the way, and then salt is what keeps you hydrated. 
So many go into dehydration, end up in hospitals because they're dehydrated and the brain cannot function without hydration. So paying attention to what you're putting in your body. There's a, a great amount of stimulus and stress that affect the brain shutting down. It's too stimulated. Yes? So doing the things to relax, meditation, good nutrition. And there are many things that are coming to fruition to assist the brain. Now, the longevity is many, many years beyond what it's ever been. So to maintain the body in an optimum way, that includes the brain. But remaining curious as well. This is true. Open-minded and curious. I was just having a conversation with a friend last night about this exact topic. She was saying um, every morning she makes a quart-sized jar, a liter-sized jar of water, puts a little bit of uh, Himalayan sea salt, sea salt that has the natural trace elements in them still, trace minerals, and then puts a little bit of other minerals, ionized minerals, and, and she drinks this each day. And we we're ta- she was talking about the same thing, about salt being the primary uh, factor that hydrates the body. But most of us don't like the taste of salty water, so we don't bother doing it. But are you saying uh, also if we simply sprinkle a little bit of this complex salt with trace minerals onto our food, we're going to be better off in general, not counting those who have super high blood pressure? Yes. And those are, there are individual circumstances, of course, that one must pay attention to your own body about. Also, salt that is ionized. It is iodine. That is the word. Because in your culture, there is an epidemic of thyroid misfunctionality. And much of this has become epidemic because people are not allowing for the iodinized, if you would, Mm -hmm. salt. Interesting. And, of course, there are other ways to get iodine as well. I mean, there's some natural iodines like Lugol's and others. You can put the little, you know, golden drops into the water. But this is true. Uh, Thyroid disease does seem to be an epidemic right now, which is causing so many dysfunctions in our metabolism and our brain functioning. Do you want to just comment for a moment more on the function of the thyroid and in mass what it's doing to us to have low-functioning thyroid? Understand this, if your thyroid is not functioning properly, you will die if you don't pay attention to it. For it regulates all your organs. You think, oh, the thyroid, that's just a little organ. It's a very important one. And it is a regulator. So to have it functioning at its optimum is important. And there are those who've had their thyroids removed for one reason or another, most often growth, growths upon it, that must supplement thyroid for the body to function properly. 
it's no different than the pancreas not working properly as well. It needs supplementation, does it not? So paying attention to your body, and if you have these organs that are not optimally functioning, do what is necessary to support them. It makes, yes, it makes total sense. Um, Theo, maybe just a really quick hit on some of the advancements we're going to see in our near future in medicine that are really going to help with chronic disease and the understanding, for example, of internal inflammation and, and direct means of dealing with this. Anything just pops in by way of future advancements on that, because I'm going to ask you these questions around these new technologies in even greater detail uh, when I interview Sheila and you again in about a month or so on Gaia TV. We're going to have an extended conversation that follows on from this one. But just give us a few hints of what's coming up for uh, breakthrough technologies. Technologies will always be coming forth because you're creative beings and you're connected universally. And so insights come into you creatively. So it is a continual expansion of products that assist, but most importantly, each and every one of you paying attention to your individuality, your body, what it needs, what you can give it. Pay attention to your nutrition. For in many years, it has been spoken that you are what you eat. Yes? That is the truth. That's why it's been around for centuries and generations. So, your body is a part of the earthly plane. It is your earth suit to navigate this planet and your soul enters it. Let us say if you purchase the most expensive automobile that ever existed and it was the only one you would ever have, you would maintain it properly, wouldn't you? Because you've invested in it. You like it, it gets you from here to there comfortably. That's your body. It's the only one you're going to have in this lifetime. Treat it with love and respect and listen to it. Give it what it needs and it will serve you well. I think a lot of times people, uh, because the medical industry and because of public relations industries and such have made us believe that we're, we have to be dependent on them and their drugs and their doctors and outside forces. We forget it just, it's just how sublime a mechanism it is if we just do the right thing for it. It really can reverse any disease and heal itself for the most part. Sometimes it's gone a little too far over the edge. But can you just speak to the incredible intelligence of the body for a moment? It's infinite intelligence. It is continually trying to create its own balance, homeostasis, to maintain optimum health. It's miraculous, actually. The body will continue to try to be in that state 
of balance and well-being. And you have evidence in your life of this. A bone breaks. It is set. And where that bone heals, it's stronger than it was before it broke. That's evidence of a, of a body healing itself. You did nothing but support it in, in setting it properly, but the bone itself grew together more strongly than before with that support. And that is what the body does. It continually strives for that balance and optimum health. Thank you for that, Theo. I think this has been a really wonderful conversation to just remind us not to be listening to outside dictates, but to be listening to our body all the time, to be listening to our mind and seeing the quality of how our mind is functioning and how that interfaces with our food and the things we expose ourselves to. I couldn't agree more. Um, this is, again, back to the original subject of self-responsibility and our unique individuality. And one thing I'd like to chat about before closing the conversation, and again, we'll continue on over at Gaia in a few weeks' time, is uh, the notion of human beings coming into closer collaboration with one another rather than competition, which has been our system for the last however many thousands of years under these what people refer to as more patriarchal competitive times. Can you talk about collaboration versus competition? Ultimately, human beings are collaborative and not competitive, are served better in service with others than only by themselves. The patriarchal way has, had been to separate, yes? compete with one another, it's not working very well, is it? And what you'll know in this new time, in this evolutionary time, that that collaborative effort, you're better together than you are separately. For each of you has a gift. Each one of you. You have a, a soul note that is unique only to you in your tone, your, your voice, much more refined than even your fingerprint that identifies your individuality. Let your tone, your note be heard. That is your truth. And nobody else has what you have to give to the world. Theo, thank you for that. I think that's a perfect way to end this conversation. And we're going to pick up talking about some other of the old systems that are uh, needing to dissolve, as you say. We're going to be talking about education in our next conversation and how this is going to best be developed into the future. I even want to talk to you about what happens when society separates those out who have committed crimes. We're going through a 
you know, a big process of prison reform, for example, on our planet right now. This and, and many more things, um, te uh, the technologies of transportation even into the future. So we have a lot of fun things to talk about, but I really appreciate the very direct, individual, humanistic uh, conversation we've had right now uh, to share with others. So with that, Theo, I want to thank you for taking your energy and time to join us today and uh, go well, and we'll see Sheila in just a moment. We are appreciative of the opportunity to be of service unto you. We will speak again. God's love unto you. Good day. Good day, Theo. Thank you. Hi, Regina. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Sheila. Thank you for doing this. Um, it was a lovely conversation. I think there's some very important points and reminders for us to be made. And I know oftentimes you don't remember that much about the conversation. So um, afterward, because you're there. Um, but I, I explained to everybody that we're going to be talking again in a few weeks time, you're going to be coming on my show Open Minds at Gaia with me. And I've kind of split up the topic. So we have one conversation today, and another distinct conversation at Gaia and a lot of good information within those uh, two hours of time. So Great. I'll look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm hoping I've had it set up so that you and Marcus are going to be the last show of the day when I'm over there in Boulder. And so hopefully we'll be able to go out and have a little dining and catch up personally, which is where we started our conversation. Uh, you guys are the best. I love you to pieces. And uh, thank you so much for helping us launch into the new year with some good sage words through Theo and yourself. Thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure and privilege to share Theo, as you know, and I look forward to seeing you soon. I look forward to it too. And again, everybody can go to asktheo.com. Is that the best website? Asktheo.com? Yes. Asktheo.com because you always have a lot of um, workshops, regular workshops and classes going on. And uh, people, I think you still do some individual channelings as well, right? Yes. In our mentoring programs, I yes. certainly do. So yes. yeah, come check Very it good. out. We have a lot of good things. You do indeed. So thank you so much again, Sheila. And to everybody else, check out asktheo.com. Until next time, thank you for joining us here on virginiameredith.com.